Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I think people will go back to theaters. That said, clearly some will close. There's no question. We can't sustain, I suspect, all of these theaters. But just in general, the the drift away from from our perspective, from cable television. I mean, the streaming is replacing cable and it's replacing theaters. So there is an entirely new business model and there's going to be, there's seven or eight big streamers. The consensus, I'm no business expert, the consensus seems to be that we cannot sustain that many and that there will be a fight, there'll be a consolidation. We've seen some of that already, that there'll be a big fight to be one of the four. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another round of the podcast that keeps you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. I am here with radio legend and my favorite producer, Lou Katz. And Lou, how's your summer going? Summer's been really nice. It's nice to get out and uh, meet some people and socialize like other people are doing. I, uh, by the way, watched the Comiskey Method series. I think it was the finale. Yeah. And uh, watch that. And then uh, looking forward to watching F9 on an IMAX screen. Are, are IMAX screens back up and running at some of these places? Like uh, mm. AMC and... They are. Yeah. They well. are. And when you go see it on the Dolby... The Dolby people kindly show you this is what it would look like if you were on a regular movie, and this is what it looks like on a Dolby movie. <laughs> and I was about to say, don't ask me, because of our great guests today, who include Nell Minow, whom you just heard, who, of course, is uh, a multi-talented person and uh, uh, a big name on RogerEbert.com. And I'm going to identify you as one of the founders of the Washington Area Critics Association. So I hope you don't mind that. And with Nell- I'm very proud of that. You've kind of kept that quiet and uh, I think you should embrace it. So I'm gonna embrace it for you. With Nell is the <laughs> entertainment reporter for WTOP Radio. And as everyone knows, one of my favorite guys, Jason Fraley. And so uh, here we go, and I am in the midst of post-series depression after embracing Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet. And I liked it so much that after I watched it in real time, I re-binged it from the beginning to the end. And now that I'm in this depressed state, what is there to watch after Mayor? <laughs> Well, my wife, my wife and I have really been enjoying this show. Um, it's in season two on Apple TV Plus called Trying. Uh, it's it's a British show, but it's uh, mm -hmm. it's about um, this young couple, uh, Rafe Spall and Esther Smith play the couple, uh, Jason and Nikki, the characters, and uh, they're they're struggling to have a baby. They they really want one. They you know they're battling infertility, um, trying to get treatments, and uh, pretty soon they start exploring the adoption process with your complications. Conceiving is very unlikely. I think I'm ready to talk about adopting. You've got to be careful with adoption. Mel from the club got a rescue dog. Shout everywhere. It deals with heavy issues, obviously, but it's so it's it's hysterical. It's it's really really funny and it's really heartwarming. Um, some the way they some it reminds me of uh, those other British shows I like, like you know, um, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, stuff like that. Um, it, it really has that quirky sensibility, and uh, every episode usually leaves you with a not only a cliffhanger but sort of a little um 
funny little um, punchline of a, of a button on the end of the episode. Um, it's really, really, I call it hilariously heartwarming. I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone. I, it drops new episodes every Friday. So, you know, you can't binge it all at once. You can binge season one now. Uh, but now my wife and I are in that phase where we have to wait every Friday for a new episode and we can't wait. <laughs> and who's carrying it? Uh, it's Apple TV Plus. It's on Apple. Okay. And, and yep. the name again? It's called Trying, as in trying. trying to have a child. Wow. Highly recommend it. I don't think that many people have talked to me about it. So I, I want to really hold that one up. You know, one of the things that got me about Mayor of Easttown was the old school delivery where you had to wait a week at a time. And uh, and I think that enhanced it. And then watching it, binging it uh, all together enabled me to go back and pick up all the things I missed the first time. So I kind of like that. Uh, now, one of the many things I want to ask you about is in the last couple of weeks, the uh, highly anticipated In the Heights opened Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical of uh, life in Washington Heights in New York City. And, uh, and the show that got him the attention before he did Hamilton. And uh, my question is, the response to End the Heights has been kind of tepid. What do you think? Well, they did make the decision to release it simultaneously for streaming and in theaters. And I think that may have hurt the numbers, but I think people are enjoying it very much. And I'm hearing nothing but good feedback. And a lot of people are watching it at home because they're not ready to go back to theaters yet. Although I will say, if you're going to see a movie in a theater, that's one to see. I saw it on a very big screen and they fill that screen beautifully. I've been a big fan of director John M. Chu since he was doing his LXD, which stood for League of Extraordinary Dancers videos. And then of course, the Step Up movies. And I'm an unabashed fan of the Step Up movies. And he brought a lot of that same energy to In the Heights. I thought it was just a glorious film. And I think in terms of the way the audience is responding to it, it's doing very well. In terms of selling tickets, obviously you're going to cannibalize your ticket sales if you're going to make it available for streaming the very same day. I would echo Nell. I mean, I In the Heights is probably my favorite movie of the year so far. I thought I just mm. thought it was an absolute delight. Mm. And I didn't I did not see it on a, a big screen. Uh, you know, my wife and I watched it on HBO Max um, at home, but it, it didn't really take away from me. I, I still I loved it to death. I thought there was so much energy in it. Um, the songs are great, obviously, if you remember from from Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical, but um, even just the way that that Chu staged it, you know, dancing on the side of the building, there were some really whimsical moments. And what I really loved is sort of like the the character work for all the four main characters. Like, yes, we each of them get a love story romance. There's two couples that we follow. Um, but I like that all four of them sort of got a character arc of, you know, their own dreams and, and you know, challenges. You know, we had, you know, Anthony Ramos wants to start that tiki bar uh, back, back in his uh, home country of the Dominican. Um, you know, we, we had another character wanting to become a hairstylist. She's, you know, slaving away in the salon, but really wants to be a hairstylist. Uh, another one uh, drops out of college to fight for immigrant, immigrant dreamers. And then, um, and then uh, the other character, Corey Hawkins, wants to run the local taxi dispatch. So, you know, Leslie Grace, Corey Hawkins, Melissa Barrera, Anthony Ramos, I feel like these are four actors we're going to hear a lot from going forward. I, I thought the movie was great, and I, I want more people to see it. Everyone I talk to that sees it, you know, says it's great. The The audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes and whatever are really high. I, so I think it's 
I think the box office numbers are, it's kind of sad, but maybe a little misleading on the quality of the movie. I think everyone, critics and mainstreamers love it when I talk to them. I want to agree with you, Nell, and say that I watched it at home on my, on my big screen at home. And as I watched, I thought this would have been much better in a theater. And I'm just not quite ready to gamble on going uh, into a movie theater yet. Lou, have you seen In the Heights? No, I haven't seen it yet. Mm -mm. Well, there's my point exactly. <laughs> but I'm not I'm but then again, I'm not a huge fan of of musicals anyway, so. Well, I think musicals really play well in theaters. I think my expectations were too high because I loved Hamilton so much and of course this was the show before Hamilton, but this was more of the normal musical as opposed to uh, Hamilton. So I yeah, was a little was mixed the, myself. This was the show that Lin-Manuel Miranda started working on in his college dorm room. Mm -hmm. So you can consider it, you know, a very rough draft or juvenilia. He did not, of course, write the book. He, he wrote the, the songs. So yeah, you should not go in and say, oh, it's going to be another Hamilton. Nobody thinks that. But I thought it was just, I thought it was just a joyful, energetic, wonderful wonderful movie i thought it was just terrific and can i say one more thing about sure, Lin -Manuel Miranda? because yeah. i saw lin-manuel miranda in another movie this week that i want to recommend and that is another one of my favorite films of the year so far that i cannot wait to see it again it's called summer of soul have anybody seen that no. oh is that, the my... quest, is that the quest love doc yeah yeah so here's what happened we all remember in or those of us who lived through it and those of us who just heard about it that in 1969, there was a very big music festival that uh, has been a cultural touchstone, really gave its name to a generation, Oscar-winning documentary. Okay, that same year, that same summer, there was another festival in Harlem featuring Gladys Knight and the Pips, 19-year-old uh, mm. Stevie Wonder, Mahalia Jackson, the Edwin Hawkins singers, Nina Simone, the Fifth Dimension, you name it, they were all there. And the footage has been sitting in a basement for 50 years. Wow. And nobody has seen it. And Questlove, who is the head of The Roots, the, the Tonight Show band, has directed mm -hmm. the film with some contemporary recollections of people who were there and commentary from people like Lin-Manuel Miranda and his father. And it is, you wanna talk about joyful, I mean, it is incredible. Oh, it is an wow. incredible document. 19-year-old Stevie Wonder playing the drums will just blow the top <laughs> of your head off. It's incredible. 1969 was a change of era in the Black community. The styles were changing. Music was changing. And revolution was coming together. That concert took my life from black and white into color. To see these performers, uh, and at their height, their absolute height, to see the audience respond to them, to hear what people have to say about what that experience was and what it meant in that very, very troubled and divisive time. Uh, it's just wonderful. And that's going to be on Hulu next week. Oh, how great. Wow. wow. I mean, everybody knows Woodstock, but that's so wild. I had no idea until this documentary, you know, obviously mm -hmm. reading about the doc. To quote the Woodstock doc, it sounds like you, you while you're watching this, you wanted to say, we must be in heaven, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the one big difference between this and Woodstock is, of course, the weather was the weather was good. 
for most uh -huh. of it. But one thing is that all the audience members, they brought grills and chickens. They're all cooking chickens. So there's plenty uh -huh. of food. <laughs> and there's no, no bad brown acid. No, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And Questlove, who I talked to yesterday, said that he knew nothing about this. And then since this movie has come out, he has gotten emails from people saying, I've got uh, footage of another event huh. that was in my basement for 50 years. And he's going to look at all of it. And maybe there'll be more. But that's the whole point, is that once again, history of white people gets a lot of publicity. History of non-white people, not so much. And it's great to be able to reclaim that with the actual footage, which you would not think would have would have held up so well. It was done on video in 1969, and wow. it is as crisp and beautiful. They had to do very little restorative work. Wow. And you say it's going to be on Hulu. And give me the title again. Summer of Soul. Summer of Soul. So I brought up In the Heights because I have it in my mind that pre-pandemic in the heights would be uh, something that everyone is talking about and uh and i don't sense that and now we're coming up to another one of those highly anticipated films f9 <laughs> the ninth episode of <laughs> fast and furious <laughs> and let nell you <laughs> you have seen it <laughs> and live to tell a tale <laughs> yes okay so i have a lot to say about this movie i want to say that when about the fourth or fifth one came out and they were shortening the title to fast furious uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, i said i don't know what they're going to do they're going to keep making the title shorter and it's virtually it's just going to be <laughs> and apparently that's where we are it's How now smart called F you are. F9. let me answer a couple of questions that i know people uh -huh. have one is this a good place to start the answer is no. <laughs> if you've not seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, this is not a good place to start. If you are a casual fan or a very serious fan who knows that the third movie, Tokyo Drift, is the seventh in the chronology, then you will be happy. And if you're just a casual fan who likes to see a lot of chases and explosions, you'll also be happy. So I just have to tell you about my three favorite scenes, okay? There's okay. a scene with Helen Mirren driving the getaway car through <laughs> London. <laughs> Two Oscar-winning actresses in this movie, gentlemen. Okay, oh. there's another scene. Now, we've all seen movies where the good guys are outnumbered. Two good guys, six bad guys. We've seen that before. We've yeah. seen fight scenes in confined spaces, even in confined spaces and moving vehicles. We've seen that before. What we have not seen is they have all of that. They got two guys fighting six guys inside a van that is moving very fast. But what, what they've added to it, because these people are bananas, is inside the van is the world's most powerful electromagnet, which keeps going on and off so that the weapons go slamming up against the magnet and it goes off and they drop on the floor and everybody's scrambling to get them. And it's being driven while they're being chased by someone who has never driven a vehicle before and did not have a driver's license. So <laughs> in driver. Usually you have these very expert drivers. Okay, now okay, they shoot they shoot a car into space. Oh well. In this movie. A Pontiac Fiero, if you want to know. Please tell me that's not a Pontiac Fiero. Strapped to a rocket engine? Impressive. I know. No. No, that's 
that's not impressive and then one last point <laughs> tyrese who is so impossibly handsome that they have to make him the comic relief otherwise nobody could stand having him around at one point tyrese says to the other characters in the movie you know what's really interesting is that we drive over minefields people are shooting at us <laughs> we're in explosions we go off of cliffs and no one ever gets hurt or dies <laughs> i think that's really interesting <laughs> Uh, yeah, does the car I, I chasing like... the van have a student driver sticker on the back <laughs> of the bumper? Uh, yeah, student driver sticker blasting off into space. That's oh, hilarious. characters that you think were dead come back. You get the back. <laughs> you get the backstory. You get to see Dom as a teenager. The Vin Diesel character as a teenager. So apparently they're going to do a spinoff there. And there isn't oh a, a mid-credit scene that you have to wait for, just for a little more extra fun. Yeah, at this point, I know I'm sure people go to these movies not uh, for the quality for sure. It's just to see how they're going to try to attempt to top themselves for the ridiculousness. And technically, F9, well, a, F9 sounds like a shortcut on a keyboard that I hit, but F10, <laughs> yeah. it, should, it should be F, it should be F10, right? Because uh, if you really, if, if there was Hobbs and Shaw, the the Rock and Jason Statham sort of a spinoff, I guess they're not That's counting right. that one. Uh, but That's I actually, right. I actually rather enjoyed that one. I think the Rock and, and Statham were were are quite winning. I together. love Hobbs and Shaw. Um, but yeah, for the most part, um, as these things have worn on, I, they've, they, I just think they've sort of gone down. Now, I think my favorite was Fast Five when The Rock first debuted, because who doesn't love Dwayne Johnson? And then I personally think they should have hung it up after, um, you know, the, the seventh one, um, when Paul Walker had just died, uh, you know, in the crash. That was sort of a good, you know, James Dean moment. There was that song, you know, I'll tell you all about yeah. it when I see you again. That would have been a good yeah. way to ride off into the sunset. But there's too much, you know, cash to be made here. Um, so, you know, I'll check this out, I guess, when I get back to, to go into the big screen. But I think I feel like I've already seen it, thanks to Nell's uh, <laughs> driver. Oh, there's so much Description. I left out. There's so much I left out. It's a two and a half hour movie, Jason. Oh my god. Well, I mean, gosh. if you're gonna get to space, I mean you get if it's dry student driver, you gotta start with you know, you can't hit the cones in the parking lot. So to get from there to space, you need two and a half hours. <laughs> so is this the movie that will drive mass audiences back into theaters? I think it, it will not make what it would have made in 2019, but I think it will get a big audience and uh and deservedly so. This is essence of summer movie. They abandoned any pretense of the rules of logic or physics years ago, and it's just silly fun. Well, uh, and uh, this theater is owned, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so we'll see what happens on that. Hey, I mentioned to you that I tuned into AMC because I love the title of a new series they've started. Kevin can F himself, <laughs> starring Annie Murphy. And it is a twist on the old television sitcom family uh, dynamic uh, that goes from uh, jokes and, you know, uh, looking a lot like uh, everybody loves Raymond or something like that into this darkness where the entire atmosphere changes and the lead actress, Annie Murphy, has had it with her husband and his dumb family. and. Uh, wants to kill him. Hey, where's our breakfast? You're not supposed to have favorites. Kevin's my husband. The world revolves around him. And if it doesn't, he just blows it to hell. It has to stop. I watched the first two episodes 
And uh, first, I got a little bit tired of, okay, we're going to go from uh, I Love Lucy to, uh, you know, I Want to Kill Lucy. You know, this back and forth, the bright lights, the darkness, the, uh, the jokes, the, uh, the resentment. And then I watched the second episode, and uh, I liked the way it developed, and I'm a fan. What about you, Mel? I've only seen the first episode. I'm definitely going to watch mm-hmm. the second one. I had the same kind of ambivalent feeling after watching yeah. the first one that you described. I have to tell you that my remote control yelled at me when I <laughs> tried to get the program. I said the full F word. And my remote control reprimanded me and said, (laughs) (laughs) we do not do searches on those words. (laughs) It says, watch your mouth. No, we need to talk about Kevin. (laughs) Well, it was surprise at you. See, you've been such, such an outstanding remote citizen. Uh, I understand it it came out of uh, of a situation four or five years ago where uh, an actress was in the writer's room and uh, in the second season of a sitcom, and I don't remember which, they basically wrote the wife out. And yeah. uh, this kind of touches that resentment. And it really puts the uh, the cheesiness of sitcom television. Uh, front and center. Uh, and I kind of like that. I like it too. I'm not somebody who ever watched shows like the Kevin James show yeah, or, yeah. or Everybody, loves, Everybody Raymond. loves Raymond or Home Improvement, you know, all of those sitcoms where, you know, the wife is the butt of the jokes a lot of the time. And I appreciate the idea of trying to go meta on it. And I appreciate Annie Murphy trying to get as far away as possible from the role that made her an icon. And I, I think she's doing a terrific job. I think all of the acting is really good. That's a, that's a tough, tough role to get right because you have to really be two different personas. And I think all of them are doing very well. Uh, as set in, uh, in a suburb of Boston, by the way, mm-hmm. with that Irish uh, patina to it, which is and the, particularly and the Yankee, annoying. the Yankee hatred, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so i'm kind of liking that uh jason you got anything you're uh enjoying uh yeah i mean in terms of uh something we haven't talked about yet um uh just this past week i watched uh the new pixar movie luca um i don't know if you mm. discussed that on the show last week but um i i really enjoyed it i don't I, it's getting some people are knocking it saying it's not one of pixar's best i mean i agree but that's a really high bar but i mean i think most studios would would kill to have a movie this this trying <laughs> like uh yeah uh it's uh it's jacob tremblay from room remember that by the way i think still one of the best movies like the yeah. last decade i love yeah him. but uh he voices this um really endearingly innocent um sea monster uh who un- unlike the little mermaid where you know ariel goes on land and it's sort of a, a semi-permanent transformation until she can you know until the end uh here the sea monsters can go between land and sea at will and they can transform back and forth into a human disguise at will your life is so much cooler than mine there's a million things you think you can't do all you need is a chance to try i think if you're expecting a lot of you know under the sea rest in peace sebastian if you're expecting some underwater you might be disappointed but i loved it because it's mostly on land it's a completely different thing that 
you know, that it's sort of like a, um, a, a triangle of friendship yeah. between um, Luca. Could, and you, his, could his you call it a fish out of water? It's literally a fish <laughs> out of water the whole time. Um, but there's like, it, it becomes this like triathlon thing between um, cycling, swimming and pasta eating. There's this <laughs> cocky Vespa champ that, that's their villain. And I, what I kind of liked about it is the animators, uh, you know, in the background, if you look closely, there's all, it's all set in the Italian Riviera. So in the background, there's mm -hmm. all these, you know, posters for Fellini's La Strada yeah. and Roman Holiday, <laughs> you know. So I, as a film geek, yeah. I like that. But yeah. as just a regular family entertainment, I thought I thought it was a lot of fun. That's uh, Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, I believe yeah. it went straight yeah. to Disney yes. Plus. Actually. It went yeah. straight Luke. to Disney Plus, no extra charge. And oh, okay. I, I agree with you completely, Jason. I thought it was adorable and so charming and wonderful work by Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan as the parents. Thought it was great. Yeah, the parents trying to track down their sea monster son who is <laughs> who looks like a human, and they're trying to you know spray water on everyone to see if they can you know if he if if a stranger on the street turns back into a fish, they realize it's their son. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it has the best spit take I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great catch uh this podcast airs on hound internet radio as well as apple soundcloud and spotify <laughs> and spotify as well as spotify lou what's uh the latest on the hound internet radio well you know you all are busy talking about movies and we happen to have our hands on some free dvds of a Ooh. movie that probably nobody ever saw it was <laughs> that bad but it's free and here's how you can get it hound radio would never intentionally add more chaos to your life but in this case we will chaos walking is a new action adventure thriller from lionsgate and the director of the born identity it stars tom holland and daisy ridley that was a terrible crash we're lucky to be alive it's a girl girl, girl. oh my gosh girl I'm sorry. No blonde hair. I've just never, never seen a girl before. There are other women. They're dead. You can win your personal Blu-ray DVD digital copy when you register now at HoundRadio.com. It's another way of thanking you for listening to the internet radio station that everyone's drooling over. Hound Radio. I have this this thought keeps running through my mind that uh, we're really not hearing about the percentage of theaters that did not reopen. And uh, what are you thinking about that? And I'm just getting a sense that the new world of movies is going to be mostly superhero, uh, Marvel, um, that sort of thing uh, most of the time. Anybody want to jump in on that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's it's been true for a long time, and we've talked about this before, that the overwhelming majority of ticket buyers are between the ages of 15 and 30. Right. And grownups, maybe around Oscar time, they'll go and see the nominees. But grownups, and I think this is definitely the trend, will stay home and see it on cable and or streaming. And I think we'll see a lot more of that. I mean, we need to talk about the guy who's had more success in theaters than anybody else making a deal with net 
Netflix this week. Yes, yeah, Steven oh. Spielberg. Steven Spielberg signed a deal. Um, and it's how how quickly we forget what just a few, maybe like two years ago, maybe right before the pandemic, he was on the record. Scorsese too, both of them on the record saying, you know, streaming would be the death of cinema, and you know, we should never have serious filmmakers go on TV. Emmys should not be confused with Oscars. And man, after the pandemic, the lines have blurred so much that now Spielberg is is inking a deal with Netflix that Amblin and Netflix are going to work together to make several movies a year. Uh, my how how things have changed. Wow. By the way, as you both know, my daughter is a costume designer in Hollywood and she's currently working on Steven Spielberg's new film. Which one is that? West Side Story? No, that's done already. That's coming out. Mm, this, mm, this one mm. is just starting filming. It's actually his autobiographical film. It's about his life as a child and a teenager. And that's really oh. all I know about it, except to say wow. that my daughter's specialty in the world of costumes is the period that is now referred to as mid-century, but which mm -hmm. I refer to as my life. <laughs> <laughs> which I refer to as my wardrobe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she may be in touch with you. But yeah, 50s, 50s and 60s. Wow. Well, wow. I'm looking for I'm looking forward to seeing that oh, actually because the, the the cast includes uh, Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we've all read you know obviously about Spielberg's bio and you know growing up and his uh, eight millimeter camera and mm -hmm. his movies that he made exactly. Oh, and, and, and you know, Tony Kushner is uh, doing the screenplay. Oh, oh man, wow. is there a scene ever... where he sneaks on to the lot of what was it Universal or whatever? I am, even if I knew, I couldn't tell you. Uh, as you can imagine, my daughter has signed 3,000 NDAs, but- uh, Is there a title yet? Everything I, yes, there is, which I'll tell you, but mm -hmm. everything I'm telling you is has been printed already. The Fablemans is the current title, huh. which is wow. the name of the family. And I'm, I assume it goes into, you know, child of divorce, like E.T. and all that stuff. I, mm. I, I assume so, um, but- uh, <laughs> But everything I've told you is what I literally have read in the trades and not, not anything my daughter's told me. The, the great Ned Beatty passed away in the last oh. couple of weeks, and I think we should just mention him. And uh, I particularly admired his work in Network, which I have had the occasion to see several times in the last few years. And... Uh, he has a speech about uh, corporate world domination that was often overlooked because when you when you hear about network, you hear about uh, the the anchor man. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But that scene is uh, and uh, there was a column in the Washington Post quoting that scene and how. Mm -hmm how it was even more predict uh, of the future than uh, uh, Patty Chayefsky's satire of television. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. I want to mention my favorite of his performances, and he was great in everything, but my favorite was in The Big Easy where he played a uh, cop and uh, with Dennis Quaid. And I just thought he was, it was a complicated role and there were some twists to the character. And I thought he just nailed it. He was wonderful in that. 
Ellen, um, where do I even start? Um, I obviously, obviously, he's, what a debut in um, in Deliverance. That that yeah. seems so chilling. Um, but really held his own against, you know, uh, across John Voight and Burt Reynolds. I mean, that movie, John Borman, I think, made it a masterpiece. Everyone go back and check that out. But um, and then later years, um, uh, remember, he was the dad in Rudy. You show, he's show, mm-hmm, Sean Astin mm-hmm. comes up to him in the little fact blue collar factory and hands him the <laughs> acceptance letter. And he goes, hey, everybody, my son's going to Notre Dame. And he uh-huh. walks into the stadium and says, this is the most beautiful sight I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but but yeah, to Arch's point, I think. Um, network is man that was just that movie was so ahead of its time predicting um well no a lot of the things we talked about with you and your dad of predicting the rise mm-hmm, of these cable mm-hmm, news stations mm-hmm. um and uh, yeah like arch said everyone remembers i'm mad as hell and i'm not going to take it anymore but ned Beatty comes in there and says yeah. you have meddled with the primal forces of nature mr Beale, and i won't have the way Sidney Lamette lights that, you know, when he has Beatty at the head of the table with all those little green, you know, um, desk lamps yeah. lining the long table. Um, man, that, that scene and that movie, um, I think that everybody check that out. It, it really stands the test of time and really predicted a lot of the horrors that we see today in cable news. He had studied for the ministry and decided that acting was his calling and later said that most um, actors are frustrated preachers and most preachers are frustrated <laughs> actors <laughs> i love that you know so, what else he was you know what else he was memorable he was uh-huh. uh, gene hackman's henchman in superman he was like yeah. side, bumbling mm-hmm. sidekick mm-hmm. <laughs> so he, he could actor. do drama he could do comedy he could be the bad guy he could be the good guy he was really an all-around terrific actor underrated it's time for flashbacks and favorites. Jen Cheney, our dear friend, started a, uh, a series on this podcast called Flashbacks and Favorites, which uh, is basically just a random question that I like to throw at people. And I think uh, a, a uh, appropriate question for today is, what's your favorite summer movie? I'm going to say Step Into Liquid, which is a documentary, a documentary about surfing. Whoa because there's nothing more summery than surfing and every story in it is absolutely fascinating. And the technology that they developed to make that movie really takes you inside the waves and makes you feel like you are, you are out there surfing the, the, big, the big ones. And so I really, really like that as a summer movie. Well, the first one that comes to mind for me, on a mainstream level, is of course Jaws. I you say summer movie, that's the first thing I think of. I think of like the pioneering summer blockbuster. Um, you know, it literally set on a beach. But I just I'm in. You mentioned Spielberg earlier, but I'm just in awe of how how the, that's how it holds up for being. You know, I mean, you see the shark later. Yeah, maybe that maybe is a little dated. But the very fact that because a shark wouldn't work and that they had to kind of find ways to do it through the shark's POV, visual storytelling, and that you know that. <laughs> Famous score by John Williams. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, they—they're they able to. Com- Spielberg's able to communicate so much throughout that movie. It's, but I think it's at the same time one of the greatest horror movies and one of the best like Moby Dick style adventures ever made. Um, but that—if that's like my blockbuster mainstream pick, I want to throw out another sort of hidden gem. Uh, a couple years ago, guys, probably almost a decade ago now, there was a little summer movie called The Way Way Back about a family going to mm. a water park. You guys right. love that, that movie. Yes. Yeah, it was like well, like Steve Carell takes his family on on a little road trip, and 
uh, to this water park. And Allison Jenny was absolutely hilarious picking on, like, I think it was like a cross-eyed, her son that was cross-eyed or something. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was Sam Rockwell who owned the, owned the water park. Um, I, I thought it was just one of those underrated little movies that I, I want everyone to go seek out because it, it was like a Little Miss Sunshine kind of a vibe, but The Way Way Back would be my like hidden gem. My hidden gem is The Flamingo Kid. Uh, which is another one like that. Oh, that that's lovely. A little that's lovely. About this and I'm, I'm going to throw in a summer place because as an uh -huh. eight-year-old kid, I bicycled yeah. up to the Woodlawn Theater to see it. <laughs> and I'm glad my mother doesn't know <laughs> that I did that. I've heard a lot of great wrecks today, particularly Summer of Soul on Hulu. So thank you for that, Nell. Final words, anybody? I would say that another neglected gem, Disney Plus, The Big Shot. I loved every episode with John Stamos. Loved it. I'm Have just going to end by saying, be sure to wear your sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> Boz Lerman over here. Jason, uh... Lou, Nell. Yeah, Arch, uh, you guys were great on the podcast this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a week off. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy your summer. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.